Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone, to a fresh episode of GTF, Gabriel Talks Football. Greg Gabriel will join me in just a few seconds. We delayed the start of this show so that we could hear what Ryan Pose and Matt Eberflus had to say at the press conference. We'll uh, play a couple of clips from there and have Greg react to them. And Greg has a lot of other things that he wants to share. One quick programming note tonight at 8 p.m. Central. It'll be Bear Their Souls with Dan Aguirre, Johnny Santucci, and me. And we'll take a look at things from a slightly different perspective with the drink in our hand. And we'll also have a very special guest from Barrett Sports Media who's going to share with us what he knows about streaming television in the NFL. How long before we have to pay $39.99 to watch a Super Bowl game? With that, I will welcome in the man of the hour, Greg Gabriel. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. I hope we never have to pay $39.99 to watch it. Super Bowl game. Put it this way. If that happens, I'm already going to be, you know, 16. <laughs> yes, exactly. You, know, you and that, I. It's going to be way off. So, yeah, I don't totally think we have agree. to worry about it for a while. But we have uh, learned that Amazon Prime is going to have one of the playoff games streaming. And so you'll have to pay for that. And during yeah, the Paramount, commercial. But Paramount did last year, this past yes, season. That so is true. It's going to say, if you're a subscriber, you get it. I mean, I. Right. I think everybody's got Amazon Prime, not everybody, but a bunch of people do. And I had Paramount Plus, so I didn't have to pay for that game either. But uh, mm-hmm. um, I guess, you know, that, that's they're going to do that a couple times a year. They do it for the Thursday night game. Uh, I, personally, I don't like the streaming. It's just the way it comes across the, the feed just it, it, it almost seems to me and maybe it's it's my Wi-Fi or my television but mm-hmm. it seems like, yeah, there's the picture, but the announcers are somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, it, it, it's like the sounds of the game are totally different than when you're watching an over-the-air broadcast. Yeah. I don't I, know if that makes sense, but that's... Well, that's it, it totally it. does. And then there's the, there's the <laughs> delay that you get on streaming. So if you happen to have social media on, uh, you say you're on X, you're, you're learning about the play before you're actually seeing it on TV, which oh, is yeah. only strike I mean, against you, it. You do that with a broadcast, too, too because yeah, there's about true. 15 seconds. With that, there, there's been times where, you know, you're waiting for... They're coming out of a timeout, and you're waiting to see what a... Uh, if there was a uh, replay overturn or something like that, and I l- look at my X feed and Biggs is already telling me what the thing is and, the, and they're still in commercial. That's right. <laughs> well, we got a lot to talk about. I Just one other personal thing. I got a little blemish here. And because I'm on blood thinners, I've been bleeding profusely. <laughs> it's just gush. By, by the time this show's over, I might pass out from the loss okay. of blood. So. <laughs> Just put a big Band-Aid on there. Nobody's yeah, I was I was like. tempted to, and uh, my wife said, no, 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 we'll put some makeup on. I get get out of here. <laughs> All right, let's start yeah, with – Your wife's home today. My wife's home today, too, so i got to be careful what, what I say. I can't swear. Oh, that's right. That's right. So uh, this will be the PG version of GTF. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, you uh, teased out on X yesterday that we were you were going to make a special announcement about a special – guest who's going to appear with us in two weeks. Take it away, sir. Well, there's a little story to this first, because in all honesty, I had no idea 
I could score this guy. I've known this person a long time, but I just thought, no, this might be a little bit too big for us to, to get on this show. And, and a guy, a follower who watches the show and follows me on, on X, his name is Andrew Street Matter or Strike Matter. He okay. sends me a text or a you know tweet and he goes, why don't you have him on the show? He goes, everybody would listen to that. And I said, you know what? That's a good idea. I'll ask him. So I sent the one and only Peter King a text. And I've known Peter since 85 or 86. Peter was the beat, the Bears beat writer for Newsday, Long Island Newsday. I don't even know if Newsday is even around anymore. Hmm. So he would cover the Giants for a few years, got to know him really well. We've had a very good relationship ever since. We talk a lot, especially this time of the year. And uh, so I, I sent Peter a text. He has agreed to come on in two weeks. Next week, he's going to be out visiting one of his kids out on the West Coast. So he said he'd be happy to come on the week after. So that's our surprise guest. That is awesome, awesome, awesome news. Um, did you ever, when Peter would come up to and try to fish some information from you. Did you ever disclose something to him that maybe you thought after? Maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah, you know, in, in all honesty, and we maybe even talk about this. I don't think there was ever a case when I was actually working in the league that he ever hit me up. Oh, wow! Like that, but you know, since when we talk because I talk to a lot of people, he talks to a lot of people and we, especially when you get in like the two weeks before the draft or the week leading up to the draft. And mm -hmm. what do you hear? And he's telling me what he's hearing and I'm telling him what I'm hearing and we're throwing stuff back and forth. And, and, you know, we both got good sources. He got better than me. I mean, he's the best in the business as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, you know, just, just to get him to come on, I'm, I'm very thankful for because I think it'll be a, a great show. He said he'd give us 20 minutes to a half hour. We'll probably get him at least a half hour, but uh, really, really good guy. But I, I'll tell one story and I'll, I'll bring it up with him. Sure. Well, after I, I, you know, I didn't, I'd see him at like the senior bowl or the combine and stuff like that. And then once he started working for Sports Illustrated, you know, and, and, and left being a beat writer. Uh, and but then I was it was when I was here, and I went to and Rutgers. Shiano was the head coach, and the Rutgers had a pretty good team. So this is in the early two thousands, and there was a Thursday night game. I don't remember who they played, but the place was packed, and so I saw Peter in the press box. We had a great great uh, conversation that day, and. That I think, and I got to ask Peter because you might remember better than me. James Gallofini, because you know Tony Soprano mm -hmm. led the Rutgers team out of the tunnel. Oh, cool! Which was really, really cool because Gandolfini was a you know big New Jersey guy and a big mm -hmm. Rutgers fan. So um, he was there at the game, and it, it was just a lot of fun. Sounds fantastic. I, the other thing about Peter King's retirement uh, is that there are very few like him. I mean, on Monday morning after, you know, all of the football games, he'd write this massive column of like 10,000 words. And you usually know, I, most I didn't know until yesterday when I read it yesterday. 
How about yeah. 15,000 to 16? Wow, that's just amazing. I mean, I know, most that's not, that's not a column, that's a book. Yeah, exactly. Most uh, news stories on the internet are about 700 words long. So when you're saying 15,000, 16,000, that's like 20 times the amount. It's amazing. Yeah. He's, I think, he's you know, so the good stuff at it. I do for Windy City usually averages out around 11 to 1,200. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just thinking times 15. That's got to be insane. But I know he, he spends, and that's one of the things I want to ask him, because I think he you know, does little sections during the week, and then he and the hard thing is putting it all together. That's got to yeah. be a, you know impossibility. But I, I'll tell you, I never saw this one coming. I you know I got up real early yesterday, and that's the first thing I do on Monday. Is mm -hmm. I you know get on my phone and see what Peter has to say, and it's like I look at the headline and go, "What's this mean?" And then I'm like, you know, two paragraphs in, and I go, "Holy cow!" <laughs> he's, he's, he's hanging it up. Indeed, uh, but yeah, that a, was amazing. And he's still, I mean, he's, he's going to be 67 in a few months. He's still a young guy. Yeah. But he, he's had such a successful career. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he writes in his column that he's just looking forward to watching NFL Red Zone with Scott Hansen. That's the show where they go from game to game to game. Right. right. And, and then uh, deciding at halftime whether he's going to continue to watch the Sunday night uh, game, stay up and watch it all. It's he's uh, well deserved time off. Hey, in that final article, he did drop a bomb and uh he bomb nugget however you want to call it yeah he he wrote you know that the bears should not should that the, he had a feeling that the bears right. should make a trade let me let, go to this one first with washington trade the the bears first round overall pick uh that's the first pick in the draft to, to the bears in exchange for the number two overall a second round pick this year that's number 36 and a 2025 first round pick um and then he said we should take that second pick and trade it to atlanta and in exchange you get the eighth overall the 43rd overall of this year's draft plus a first and second round pick in 2025 Five. What do you think about that trade scenario? Well, I know Peter well enough to know if if you said somebody gave you that, and he's going to say, "Oh no, I didn't talk to anybody. I just, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just thinking it, you know, bullshit. You know, <laughs> you know this is his final column ever, and he drops a big, big nugget. Yeah. You don't think he's got some info? Yeah. I, I would I would guess that he at least has heard that from some yeah. prominent sources. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I'm not going to say it was necessarily. No, I, he's very fond of of Ryan Poles. Mm -hmm. You know, he's done a couple nice things about him already within the last 18 months, at least two. Um, but he's you know he's got better connections than anybody in the league. I mean, he yeah. could have got that anywhere, but. What's interesting is that later in the afternoon, and I'm not going to get into it because this is rumor season, and who knows what's true and what's Memorex or whatever, but I got a call from a guy very well connected. He's not with the team. He's not with the media, but he's very well connected with GMs, the league office, agents, etc. And he said, there are a lot to that. 
And he said, it wouldn't shock me if it happened before the combine ended. Now, I'm like, no, I can't see that. I can't see. Mm -hmm. I could see it happening. I couldn't see it happening before the combine ended. But again, it's it's rumor time. And Mm -hmm. there's going to be lies. Uh, You don't know what's real, what's not real. I think when you listen to the two press conferences today, they're only 15 minutes apiece. Um, both guys straddled the fence. Poles played both sides of the fence really well. He's getting pretty good at the game, mm-hmm. you know, and, and keeping the poker face didn't lead you to believe it was leaning one way or leaning the other. Just saying, you know, but I, no, what's interesting is that. So I had to run out the quick errand for my wife shortly after that. And I turned on the score and it was transition between um, the Molly and Haas show and Bernstein. And Bernstein says, well, he laid out that last year's trade has to be the base, just the foundation that they got to do better. And I'm going, I didn't hear that. And I listened to that. He said, (laughs) it's got to be good. You know, you're not going to, if you went back one spot, you're not going to get back what you got last year for going back nine, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's just an impossibility. Yep. You're going to get a premium. And, and, and to further that, what I was saying about this conversation I had yesterday, this guy says, you know, there is a team that wants number one batters. Mm-hmm. And they know they're going to have to pay for it. So what that is, we'll see. And, and regardless of what it is or if it's true, the Bears got to say, hey, okay. Indeed. We're Indeed. good. Uh, Greg, you know, one of the things that uh, you've been uh, criticized for is that you have said Caleb Williams, after the Notre Dame game, had a terrible or poor or whatever it, the word you used. I said he had to drop off and it wasn't. He had a drop player. off. Yeah. Now, I, I, I people have contested that, uh, and I, I'm sorry. Say it again. They look at the stats. Yeah, I, I look at the stats. the stats. Is in the game. Stats exactly. Exactly. You, you got to look at the game. How how he plays the game. You mm-hmm. know, you have the one game. As you know, they lose the game. Maybe it was a Washington game, but they lose it. Was it was a close game. Mm-hmm. I think it was Washington. It was 49-42. And he refuses to talk to the press. But before he even goes in to talk to the press, he's got to go sit on mommy's lap and cry for 10 minutes. You know, I started playing this game when I was eight years old in 1959. Been involved with the game ever since. So that's sixty, almost 64 years. It's 64 years. Going on 65. Yeah. Damn, I'm getting old. Um, <laughs> since I've been alive, by the way, <laughs> so, you are going to go. <laughs> I have never seen that. Never once have I seen that. Never once have I seen anything close to that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my first thought when I saw that, and this is what two weeks after the the uh, Notre Dame game or something, I'm going like, can this guy handle adversity? Mm-hmm. And these are the questions I have. These right. are why it came off. It has nothing to do with the talent. It has everything to do with from here up. Mm-hmm. Can he can he handle it? And like Ryan said in, in the uh, 
I don't know if it was, yeah, it was the postseason pressure not too long ago. You know, he goes, you got to be thick skinned. You got to be tough to play, to play quarterback in this town. Yes, and said, said it again today. Yeah. And Flus comes back. It's all about the character and the leadership at that position. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that people say, and, and don't misconstrue character with bad person because it's football character, not personal character. He is not a bad person. In fact, by all accounts, he's a pretty good guy. But mm-hmm. is he what you want leading your football team? And these are the questions I have. I'm entitled to have those questions. Right. And, and when I say something, I say it as if I was still sitting in Hallis with Jerry. Because it's what I say to Jerry. You know, that was my job to say that. Okay. And I'm not going to change that way of thinking because fans want what the press has built up to be the second coming of Jesus Christ. Well, that's not the case. Right. Is he a good player? Yes. I think I put out, because you you know, you keep hearing stuff, there could be a scenario, and I did probably put this out an hour ago. <clears throat> you know, a guy said, Do you think they're going to keep or trade Caleb. I said, well, you know, we'll find out shortly. I said, but there is a scenario where they trade number one and trade Caleb and take another quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, and the guy goes back, no. So then I came back and said, whatever they're going to do, mm-hmm. it's going to be the decision that Ryan Foles, Cunningham, Loose, personnel department as a whole, probably the offensive coordinator, feel is the best thing for this team. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to give a rat's ass whether you agree, I agree, or a fan agrees. Yeah. They don't have to, yeah, technically you want to please the fans. They got to they got to do what's right for the team. Now, I saw a thing today. Worst thing I have in my computer is the home pages. Um, the uh, MSN network, Microsoft mm-hmm. News Network, or something. Yeah. And there is, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's so much BS on that. Oh, Usually yeah. it's rumor or something mm-hmm. like that and not real. But there was one that uh, Boomer Siason said, said, and this was just within the last hour the one headline that if it polls doesn't take uh Caleb it's a fireball offense. Who the hell is Boomer Sison? That's exactly <laughs> he's looking for clicks. Uh can you hear me now? Testing one two can you hear me now? Wait a minute it might be by saying there's yeah testing testing that, one that, two that was good I might okay. my plug wasn't in uh, yeah, he's boomers looking for clicks, just like uh, everybody else in the media. That's right. his job now right. nowadays. So, I, I, Jason has a, a interesting question here that I want to share. Can anybody? He asked, "Can anybody tell me what big games Caleb has won? How's his record against the top twenty-five? Well, guess what, Jason? I just happened to have that graphic that was popular last year against top twenty-five teams the column on the right he has a completion percentage of 51% versus 70% against non top 25 
uh, teams. His passing yardage per game is over a hundred yards less. And in those uh, 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 that top looks like one hundred and fifty to me, like yeah, one hundred and forty-seven. Yeah, yeah. Well, and his touchdown interception ratio six touchdowns, six intercept interceptions against top twenty-five, and then seventy-eight touchdowns, seven interceptions against interceptions against non-top twenty-five teams. He's clearly stat stuffed against opponents who are not ranked, and that has to be a concern, right? Yeah, it, it's got when when I used to look at a quarterback. The first tapes I would watch were you want with a quarterback, you want to watch everything. Okay. Right. You, you're not going to get, you know, an offensive lineman, defensive lineman, you watch four or five games, you got a pretty good feel for what he is. Cause you, you know, you start seeing the same thing game after game after game after game. So you know what the guy is. But the quarterback, you got to watch everything. And you got to, mm-hmm. you got to break it down. You know, like, okay, what's he doing on first down? What's he doing on second and long? What's he doing on second and short? What's he do on third and long? What's he do on third and short? You know, how many drives stall in the red zone? How many drives does he take down and get a TD or, or a field goal? You know, you got to really break down the game totally. Mm-hmm. So that stuff becomes important. But we always did, though, and, and this is before analytics were invented. We used to make up our own. You know, so, you know, it's not like we didn't use them. We just didn't call it that because the word wasn't invented. Yeah. <laughs> the... We used to break down that same thing. What do you do against winning teams, top 10 teams, et cetera? Um, what do you do against, you know, average to Midland type teams or whatever? Where, where was the big game versus the poor game? How often did he play poorly against a good team? So, yeah, that's all important because you want your guy to come up big in big games. Now, I'm just mm-hmm. let's just – and I'll, I'll, t- I'll tease another guest. We got committed. Remains to be seen if we get him. Let's say, because uh, he's a local guy, J.J. McCarthy, out of Michigan, who's from down in the south suburbs, southwest suburbs. J.J. went undefeated. He came up big in big games. Mm-hmm. National championship game, Big Ten championship game, first playoff game. I mean, so... You know, you can't say, and, and he came up with good games, too. Mm-hmm. Now, I am not saying J.J. is a better talent than than Caleb is, just using, you know, the criteria that you use for comparing, you know, quarterback A to quarterback B. But in saying that, you know, was it last week, Ella? I reached out to his agent, and his agents, I said, hey, I'd love to get him on the show because he's a local guy and, uh, you know, it'd be an interesting show. Get him on for, you know, 20 minutes, half hour. Yeah. And he said, sure, but not until after the pro day. And the pro day, it's like the 20th, 21st of March, mm-hmm. something like that. So it's still a little more than three weeks away. So after that, and then he's going to be having some private workouts and 30 visit workout or 30 visit type things. So, you know, whether it actually comes to fruition, I think that remains to be seen. But let me ask you this as long as I got you here is situation like that, we could pre-record something, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's going to be what I'm going to do. You know, when I talk to, uh, and his his agent is Brian A. Roll, who Mm -hmm. 
actually was Roquan's agent for his rookie year. Mm-hmm. And Brian is a Buffalo guy, so I've known him for a long time. A former quarterback himself. And, you know, I can hit Brian with, hey, look, we can pre-record this. We can do it. Well, we can do it on a Sunday if that's what works best. Just pre-record it. And then when we do the show, have mine. Sounds good. And I'll uh, I'll post this question to you, which was actually posted at 8 a.m. this morning. Uh, Greg Maliska um, got an early start to his day. He asked, please ask uh, Greg if J.J. McCarthy is worthy of the Bears' ninth pick in the first round, providing, of course, that the Bears trade out of the first pick and keep Justin Fields. So your thoughts on J.J. McCarthy and his draft value? You know what's funny about that? There's a lot uh-huh. of people that don't think he's going to make it that far. Really? It's a yes. nice pick, huh? Yeah. Wow. There's one guy I talked to yesterday who said, I think he's a top five every day. Mm-hmm. That's- he's going to be the guy, according to people with no quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So, and I like him. In fact, I, you know, I, I'll tell you who said this. This is okay. because we've had him on the show. It's Pep. Oh, okay. Pep's got ties to Michigan and, because he was the offensive coordinator there for a while. Mm -hmm. And he knows Drake May. He knows JJ. He said, he told me, this was a few weeks ago, he goes, that guy's going to be the steal of the draft. Wow. He goes, first of all, the the intellect is off the charts. Mm -hmm. The leadership is off the charts. He said, what hurt him, and it's funny the way he said it, because, you know, Pep, play quarterback so he's partial to and he's been a play caller and offensive coordinator so he's he's partial to that part of the game so pep goes the the thing that you couldn't see what you wanted to see from caleb because he had a goddamn offensive line coach as an offensive coordinator who called plays like an offensive line coach (laughs) (laughs) which which i thought was kind of interesting he said so there's things you wanted to see that they just didn't have in their in their offense, right? Wow, that's uh, quite the endorsement. I mean this this draft gets, just gets more and more intriguing with each passing day. But there's All other right. people that say just to, to finish up on JJ. Sure, there's other people that say like this week when interviews start, mm-hmm. and then when he does private workouts and goes in for thirty visits, that he's going to blow coaches away. Mm-hmm with his knowledge and his ability to dissect things on the board. Yeah. And that's well, where you're going to, that's where you're going to see his name because coaches always talk. Scouts well, don't and, talk, coaches do. And, and, and go ahead. No, I was just going to say that Josh Norris posted a video and I'm going to show a clip of that tonight on Bear Their Souls of uh, him being interviewed, uh, him interviewing Drake May. And I was really impressed with Drake May's knowledge. I mean, this guy knows defenses, how to read defenses, pre-snap, during snap. Uh, He's like leap years ahead of what Mitch Trubisky displayed when he went to the board with John Gruden, which was a really bad moment for Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, I never saw that. Probably a good thing I didn't. (laughs) But I love that show. I'd love to see ESPN bring him back just for that. Oh, my gosh. I'm with you on that. Totally with you. All right, let's get to uh, some of the comments, a couple of the comments made at the press conference today. This was 
uh, Ryan Poles giving an update on Jalen Johnson and the contract negotiations. Uh, Greg, it's about 40 seconds left. Okay. Um, in the process of getting Jalen Johnson done, um, conversations are going well at this time. Uh, we feel like we've done a really good job um, kind of coming to the table strong, um, showing the respect um, that he's due just in terms of his production through his career and really an emphasis on the turnovers that he created this past year. Our expectation is that's going to continue to go um, as he's with the Bears. Um, when I say coming strong, it means cash flows are strong, guarantees are strong. Uh, the term is strong for him. Um, being hit with his age, uh, there's a really good opportunity for him to go back to the market again um, and continue to earn money and play well, and hopefully that's with the Bears for a long period of time. So I'm excited about that. This is locked in. Sounds to me like it's just locked in. No, I, don't think, I don't think it's a done deal yet, but it, it okay. sounds pretty damn close. Yeah. When you go back, Fluce was sort of the same way. He didn't go as in-depth as, as Ryan mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's probably a little more than dies dot and, and, and teased across, right. but they're getting close. But he did fall back on you know, if I got to use the tag, I'm going to use the tag. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that, you know, you could put that tag on there just because you're not done with the deal and you don't want to hit free agency. So, right. you know, you're, you're close, but you're not done. You can put the tag on them and finish the deal three days later, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that has been done before. Now the tag you got until next Tuesday. So there's another week to get this done before you have to finally put the, tag on it. You can do it right now, but you don't have to do it until next Tuesday. So mm-hmm. I think it, next Tuesday is the fifth, right? Because that, that's, that's the yeah. tag day. So, yeah, so there's a lot of time. You can get a lot of things done in a week. I mean, it took 48 hours to do the the Montez Sweat contract after they made the trade. Mm-hmm. When, when, when people want to get a deal done, it's amazing how quickly you can get it done. Typically, when things are taking a while to develop and and it appears and both sides are saying it's going to get done, isn't the negotiating part is the guaranteed dollars? You know, Jalen wants 80 percent guaranteed and the Bears want 50 percent. Isn't that typically the deal? Well, that can be the some of the sticking points, especially now, because players are trying to get more and more guaranteed money. And your guaranteed money is really, it's a combination of two things. It's, it used to be strictly your signing bonus, but now they're guaranteeing parts of your salary, you know, on certain dates. Like if you're still, and I'm just making up the, the verbiage here. Um, if you're still on the roster, the 10th day of the new league year, 50% of your salary for that year is guaranteed or something like that. You know what I mean? So, Gotcha. They have stipulations like that. Those are all called paragraph five stipulations. So mm-hmm. they all have to be like handwritten into the contract mm-hmm. and then signed to it. And that's what takes the time. You know, go back to uh, McGlinchey last year. Poles, I guess, was good at that 17 million, 17 guy average to pay the guy based on what he's done. What he wasn't good with was the amount of guaranteed money the guy got. He was looking at the age, the stuff. He goes, no, no, no. Because then if it doesn't work out and and you've got to, you know, get rid of the guy or whatever, that's where you get slapped with the cap hit. Mm -hmm. And that's what what happened too much with Ryan Poles. 
Right. You, did, you know, there was too much stuff that was in there that came back to haunt you because the contract was written for me. Now, uh, about two hours later. Or Ryan Pace, excuse me. I said Ryan Pace. Yeah. <laughs> about two hours later, uh, Eberflus met with the media. And one of the questions that were po- was, was posed to him was about the safety position, staying with the defensive backfield. And, and uh, Flus offered this profile of the safety position. 30 seconds. Yeah, you're looking for a guy that pairs well with him. You know, Jaquan is a guy that's a strong safety. He comes down, man's tight ends. Uh, he's a big hammer. Um, the guy that we'll be looking for has got to have athletic ability. He's got to have range. He's got to have great communication skills. Um, and he's got to have ball skills. You know, we want all of our guys to have the ability to take the ball away. Um, and he has to have that too. And then then eventually grow into a leader. You know, if it's a, if it's a free agent, he's going to have to feel the temperature of the room and then and, and dive into the leadership role. And if it's a rookie, he's going to have to develop that with the other guys. You know anybody like that, Greg? And I'll ask Berlissimo's, who I know has scouted probably tons of safeties already. Uh, he's in now, the chat. I, I, I put some names out there, and I don't have that stuff in front of me because I usually have it in piles here on this desk. And my oh, wife, because oh. she's working from home today, I had to clean the office and everything <laughs> away. So I'll have my, my mess back next week. We'll talk um, about it during free agency because there might be some free agents that are that way. Would you prefer they get a veteran safety or absolutely, would you prefer- absolutely. Really? Tell me yeah. why. Well, safeties, you see a couple safeties go high, but generally they're a late, later day two or even in the day three player that prospers. You know, and and look at, um, you know, Jackson. Jackson was a fourth round pick mm-hmm. who, who came in across, and that's what a lot of times it happens. So you're guessing and you're hoping, but I think with this team today, if you can get three, th- two things, I, I'm pretty sure they will do in, in free agency. One is a center. One is a safety. Now he mentioned. We got to get better. We got to have another guy uh, on the defensive end. Okay, you could do that in the draft where they're picking the vet number nine spot, but it's no lock. Lock in that some of that depends on well, what are you doing with one, mm-hmm. you know? And you know they're not going to tell us exactly what they're doing with one or whatever. So I came to the where I didn't think that. I mean, we might have touched on this last week, but or I didn't think they would, you know, go big, spend big money on defensive end um, in free agency. I've come off that a little bit. Now, I don't think Allen is going to be available. I think, you know, Jacksonville will probably tag him. I think Burns will get tagged. So that leaves Daniel Hunter. Now, Hunter, that's going away from – the age that, that polls likes to do his hunting with because Hunter will be 30 in October. But when you look at his injury history, he'd been relatively clean. And the one year when he missed like nine, 10 games, it was a soft tissue injury. It wasn't like a knee or a shoulder, you know, one of those more catastrophic type injuries. Right. So could that happen? Yeah, but he's going to cost you what, what sweat costs. Maybe even cost you more. So, yeah. um, because you know, you got that 
influx of money last year. Now, now what's funny about it, let's talk about that for a second. Yes. Everybody thought that's how much money was going to be there. It was no but big the, surprise. Yeah. The In fact, you know, like uh, Brad from uh, Over the Cap and PFF, he said, well, we were only a million off on well, our estimate. You know, that's what a lot of teams thought. So, mm-hmm. but the media made all this big deal out of it. That, my yeah. God, there's all this new money out there and it's going to change everything. It, no, this is, teams had a pretty good idea of what it was going to be. And Creighton is asking, with that increase of the cap, does that kill the narrative about resetting the quarterback market? Meaning that now, you know, you don't have to worry about the money that Justin Fields would make in year four, five, six of his deal. Well, four is set. If he's here, he's making that. It's it's the, do you pick up the fifth year option? The fifth year option already came out. I think mm-hmm. it's what thirty six or thirty eight million dollars. Yeah, for him next year. <clears throat> you don't have to pick that up. <clears throat> now, a thought that came to my mind today, and I'm glad that question was asked because I might have forgot about it, was what's going on. And and you watched how non-committal Ryan was with uh, about Fields. He goes, but, mm-hmm. but he did say, we want to do right by Fields. You know, because I understand the situation. Part of that, what hit me right away was, oh, we're already playing the leverage game. (laughs) That has nothing to do with whether you're keeping them or not keeping them, but has a hell of a lot to do with a future contract. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. hey, this guy, you know, you got to use all the leverage you can in contract negotiations. Indeed. So, hey, we almost got rid of this guy. Right. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll, we'll do maybe something like, like Green Bay did with Love. You know, we'll do two more years, mm-hmm. you know, at X amount of dollars and, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he continues to grow. He's only going to be 26. He's still going to hit free agency again. You're not locked into that. People think they're locked into paying that fifth year and then have to extend them at 50 million a year. That is not true. You know, it, could it be true? Yes. Is it absolute truth? No. And, and, and like I said, that when Ryan said that, that's the very first thought that I have. When he's, he's already publicly playing a negotiation game, if he in fact is deciding on keeping it. J2K asked a question about these uh, salary cap uh, uh, going up. He says, when that cap goes up, do free agent contracts also get inflated? He assumes so. I think, yeah, you know, people, are, agents are saying, you got more money. My, my guy is worth yeah, 10% but then more. I can go back to what we said a little while ago. Everybody knew this was the money that was going to be there within right. a few million dollars. Right. Yeah. You know, so it, it's it's illegal. It's tampering. They've been talking to these guys for a while. You know, do they have set deals? No. Mm-hmm. But can you, you know, hey, Joe, what's it going to cost to get so-and-so done? Yeah. Well, I'm thinking it's going to cost $18 million a year. Well, but all you're doing is, you know, throwing yeah. stuff around, but it, it, it can give you a an estimate or a guesstimate. Yeah. Read in between the lines and so forth. 
Absolutely. Uh, I want to get back to the topic of Justin Fields because I got a couple of sound bites from Coach Eberflus and one from um, uh, uh, Poles talking about the quarterback. I, I want to play this for you about uh, Flus's profile of a quarterback. You know, I've been looking at quarterbacks all my life. You know, and I know what, uh, what what a good quarterback looks like, and what what's hard on the defense. You know, and a guy that has the ability to you know create, um, a guy that has the ability to throw uh, with timing and accuracy, and the guy that can move the ball on the field when it, when it's critical moments, like on third down, two minute, and all those critical moments. So, um, I've always looked at that, and uh, that's been a fun process for me. Greg, does that sound like Justin Fields? Because uh, one of those things he doesn't do well, which is the fourth quarter. And then the second one, throwing a timing and accuracy. Accuracy, yeah, okay. Timing, no. So, no, I, I, I don't disagree with you. And I'm going to go back just to counteract that as I go back to who's been coaching in the last two years. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, and then, you know, you go back to Shane Waldron and, and he, Praised Waldron a lot, and and did, yeah. I don't know if you caught the little blurb in there. Um, he, you know, he said he called Flu said he called Pete Carroll, had a long mm-hmm. conversation about Pete, and Pete just went on and on about how Waldron did such a wonderful job with those quarterbacks, mm-hmm. you know, and and they weren't bringing in like new guys; they had guys in place. And the one guy, I mean, Geno Smith was was a bust. You know, had no success in the league and gets him in the Pro Bowl the very first year. Yeah. Well, he's so I mean <laughs> there's, there's a lot of way you can look at it, you know, and and, and there's gonna be, you know, part of the audience are gonna say, Gabriel, you're so full of it. And you know <laughs> I just I repeat, I, I talk <laughs> how I think this is how I think. I don't think like fans think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I got a totally different way of of working my way through these things. And it's my my whole mindset is what would I do? What's the best for the team? How do we build the team to be the best team? And mm-hmm. you know, you, you look at the draft. Right now they got five picks. And and they don't have a second. They have a third, two fourths, a fifth, and that's it. That's it. Okay. <laughs> Something got to happen to get more picks. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, I'm not too worried about the seventh round, but it would be nice to get a sixth rounder. And well, here's what I think. Well, here's the thing a little different this year than, than last year. Okay. You had a huge drop off in underclassmen entering. The draft this year. Yes, yes. So now your total depth, mm-hmm. when you look at the big numbers, yeah, okay, it's not as good as it was. So on paper, you could say, I'm not going to get as good a player in the sixth or seventh round because mm-hmm. of that. But teams that scout well are going to draft well. Yeah, you know, you're going to find your you're going to find your nuggets and, and and the good players that you can see something in that you think you can develop. So. You know, from from the standpoint of from that standpoint of trying to get a good player, if I was still a personnel director, I'd say, yeah, I know I'm going to get good players. But the thing is, you don't have as big a pool 
to get those. And there's 31 other teams that are looking. And what you don't know is what they think of the guys. Right. Remember, we've said a thousand times, no two boards are alike. And especially when you get into day three, mm-hmm. they're not even close. There's going to be guys that the Bears pick that are going to be free agents on other teams' boards and vice versa. That, that's just the way the draft works. You know, you sit in, when you're sitting in the draft room and you're looking and you're listening to the picks come across, you know, there's always comments going, what the hell are they taking that guy for? And then the guy turned out to be a starter in the second year. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's how he fits what they're looking for. Yeah, I don't know if we talked about this last show, but since you talked about Shane Waldron, uh, this came to mind, and I I, want to make sure I get your input on it. Why did Luke Getze get an offensive coordinator job with the Raiders? Isn't it because some people look at – I'm sorry? Who do you got to the goat? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's got photos or something. Um, but isn't it because a lot of people looked at the tape and said, "I like what Getsy was trying to do. He just didn't have the quarterback to to match the schemes and the and, and it, it, you know it was more Poles' fault of Getsy didn't get the type of production. Isn't that a possibility? Uh, well, the run game was strong two years in a row. So you got to look at that as a positive. Uh, the past game was atrocious. Mm-hmm. My feeling is he didn't know how to use the personnel he had available. It didn't help that there's, and that's why there's a new wide receiver coach. There was one receiver last year. Well, two, you connect. You had a tight end and, the, and you had a Z receiver in DJ Moore. Nobody jumped to the forefront at X or inside at the slot. And so, you know, that's got to be taken care of. I think that there's going to be one veteran free agent signed. What kind of money they spend? Who the hell knows? I would think it'd be more mid-price guy. The guy that I'd like to see, I have no, he's probably going to get more money than, uh, anticipated is the bears or bears the bills receiver Mm -hmm. gabe davis spot track is pretty good but not great with their estimates sometimes they're a little bit light yeah they put his value at 13.4 he's a big fast x receiver who always comes up big in big games Mm. You know, and and a good person. And he plays on special teams. I mean, you know, he's a non-selfish guy. Um, Grew, got better every year, had some injuries this year, but, you know, nothing serious. Really, his best year was 2022. He had the hellacious playoff game one year uh, against Kansas City. Um, But, I mean, he would be a dynamic player to have across from from DJ Moore but what's he going to cost and right. you know people think well we got 80 million dollars round figure who do you want to listen to spot track says we got more than 80 uh mm-hmm. over the cap says 78 the difference is like 3 million but it's somewhere in that range who knows exactly what it is the management council does and the team knows knows but 
it's a very receiver strong draft. You know, they're going to draft somebody. Everybody expects them to draft somebody in the first round. But then I look back at, at, at Kansas City, where Paul spent his whole career. They never took a receiver in the first round. Not the whole time he was there or since, because Andy always thought I could develop a guy. Took a bunch in the second. Never took a guy in the first. In the second round, pretty good, damn good. I just, you know, your, your show the other day with Danny. Mm-hmm. A bunch of those guys are going to be second-round picks. Yep. How about, you know, DJ, who DJ is going to be on too. We've already said that. DJ's got 10 receivers in his top 50. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Got, J2K has a good question here. He says he, he doesn't think that the Bears are an attractive team for a free agent wide receiver. Do you agree with that assessment? Well, you know, that's a really interesting question because the free agent might want to know what the hell is the quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so and, – and with – you can't use D.J. Moore as an example because Bears traded for him. But you can also – but you can turn around and say, yeah, but look what happened when he got here. He just had a career year, and he had great years when he was at Carolina. We need somebody to compliment him so they're both great. I think that's one of the reasons why you hear he'd like to get something done before free agency. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things I was told to get, this is rumor. Who knows what's truth or not? But there are teams waiting to see what Chicago does because they got plans. And their plans can unfold until they see what Chicago does. And some mm-hmm. of these teams want to, you know, what they do, it, it has a, a determination on what, how they handle free agency. You know, last year's trade was like the first time we ever saw a trade happen that early. You know, and it might have just opened a window to a new way of doing things. Because they saw, when, when you look at the overall success of the trade, the trade was a huge win for the Bears. And so, you know, could be, you know what? They might have did it right there. You know, people say, why the hell are they doing it so early? Well, you look at the results, and the results turned out to be huge for the Bears. Yep. It's a, it's a great way to set up free agency. And, and now you know exactly, you know, what your needs are, what your assets are, and so forth. Perhaps it would not be a great thing for a team that already has most of their team set, but for a team that's still building its infrastructure, I thought that was a very smart move. Greg, I got something I want to play for you. And those uh, of us who follow GTF already know your feelings about this one particular player perhaps being drafted by the Chicago Bears. You're against it. I'm, I was watching ESPN and Field Yates and Mel Kuyper have a nice show on called First Draft. Right. And Field Yates, yeah, it is very good. Uh, uh, Field Yates made his m- mini mock draft pick for the Chicago Bears. It was late to. And then uh, Mel Kuyper said the following. Brock Bowers is not a tight end. He's a move him around weapon. Okay, he can do anything you want. You can line him up anywhere you want on the football field. All this kid's going to do is make big play after big play. He's fast. He has a sixth sense about things on the football field that all the great ones have. He is a guy that defenses could not 
even figure out a way to contain everything that went through him. It's that offense at Georgia. Uh, certainly Ladd McConkey, a heck of a player as well. But Brock Bowers, because he can do everything. He has a receiving weapon, nightmare for defenses to try to handle. If I'm the Bears and I'm sitting there at nine and he's on the board, I'm, I'm doing I'm like Caleb Williams. Where Justin Fields are jumping up and down saying, yes, yes, yeah. I got a big-time weapon for my offense to help me out. Well, you just took- okay, so give it, if you were director of scouting or the general manager of the Chicago Bears and you had one of your scouting guys praising Bowers the way he just said, would you go back to the tape and, and rethink how this guy could fit into Shane Waldron's I, I, offense? I'm going to give you a, a, a totally honest answer here. Ask me that same question next week after he works out this week. Okay. Because I one thing that, that first of all, I mean, he, he's not a pure wideout. I mean, mm-hmm. Mel, Mel hit it right in that he, he's a football player. He's a good football player. But in their scheme, he's really the move tight end. I mean, he even lines up at the wing sometimes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but he doesn't line up as a Y, and then that, that's commit. So if you have him, he is going to be pretty much your slot receiver because you're, right. you're, you're going to want to keep him on the, uh, on the field because he's right. a big playmaker. So mm-hmm. is he what you want in that position? So now you got to have – your X, and then you could use him as your slot, and then you can go to four wides and bring in another guy. Can't get that. I want to know how big he is and how fast he is. Mm-hmm. I know he's a player, but don't forget he's playing in college, where mm-hmm. you know it, 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 it's not the NFL. And Atlanta took that guy from uh, Florida a few years ago, who runs like a four-four. Runs yeah. like a gazelle, and he hasn't done a whole lot in the league. Yeah, you know, you know, so it's a different game when you get up here. Mm-hmm. So, and and the one reason I want to know how big he is is I saw one pitcher and it bothered me only to the fact that he looked like he was six two. He was standing next to Rob Gronkowski. That's the picture yeah. you saw. Yeah, well, Gronkowski <laughs> six five and a half. Right. And, okay, but Gronkowski. Howard over. Yes. I saw that same picture and I thought the same thing. I said, what is going on here? This guy looks like a small running back compared to well, Grant. He's listed at 6'4". Yeah. No effing way. We'll okay, see what so the numbers are. It's, in fact, I, I, I did a, um, for next year, I, I did a uh, an edge player from uh, Atlanta's host conference school yesterday. And so I look up what the school has them listed at. And it was like 6'3", 252. Mm-hmm. Watching the tape. And the only you can guess is you see the guy next to other people, right? And there's other guys that are listed at 6'3", and 6'4", and they towered over this guy. And they go, <laughs> he isn't 6'3". Yeah. He might be 6'1", 6'1 and a half. Mm-hmm. You know, so now, even though this guy had like nine sacks or something last year, you know, he's a good player. You know, does your enthusiasm stay way up there? Because, well, if he's six one and a half, he might have thirty one and a half inch arms too. And now I'm not going to get all excited. So that's why stuff like that happens this week. 
those measurables are important. There's a reason they do it. They don't yes. do it just because they they want to. Right. You know, it's a, there's important. You, you got stats. Mm -hmm. Just you know what guys excel. You you want your tackles to have long arms. Your mm -hmm. guards and centers don't have to have those big long tree branches, but your your tackles do because it's a leverage game. Same yep. way with defensive ends. Defensive ends, you want to have that long arms. Uh, at today's press conference, Ryan Pose uh, talked about what he's hoping to find out during these one-on-one -on -one interviews at the Combine, and you, my good man, Greg Gabriel, promised me a story or two or three about some of the interviews you've conducted oh, at the God. Combine. <laughs> they, it, my wife came home yesterday and, and, and somebody watched, and I, I just doing stuff ready to get ready for the comments because that's this week and i go yep because you miss it and, uh, i don't know because i mean it's long days yeah we were talking eight in the morning till 11 at night mm. every day <clears throat> and yeah. really more like seven in the morning <clears throat> till 11 at night especially with you got and i had to listen to i had to sit in on every single interview <laughs> and so and, and speaking of that when I was doing this, you could interview 50. It went up to 60. Okay. Now it's 45. And I, you know, <laughs> excuse me. I texted a scout friend of mine this year just to get that verified yesterday. Okay. And he sent it to me. It's, and they, we used to have 15 minutes. It's up to 20. Oh, good. Okay. So not that you're going to find out a lot, 15 or 20 minutes. You're not. Yeah. But it, <clears throat> I'll put it this way. You can decide not to take a guy on that 15 to 20 minutes, but you're not going to decide to take a guy. Yeah. Okay. That makes okay? sense. Because a guy could just totally turn you off, mm -hmm. which brings me up to some stories. Some okay. are funny. Some are just like, there's a receiver we liked, talented guy. Now I'm not going to mention any names nor schools. Fair. Um, because yeah, that just wouldn't be fair. Uh, this guy, talented guy, had some issues, so we brought him in. And when you sit him down and, and see, when you get into these interviews, especially if the, the <clears throat> player has issues or maybe some law enforcement issues, <clears throat> you're prepared before you start the interview. And you already got the right answers. So in this kid's case, you know, we had talked to a lot of people, including some of his coaches at the school he was at, whatever. And what he had to say versus what we had from other people was total opposite. Everything was somebody else's fault hmm. and not his fault. And he refused to accept any responsibility for anything that happened at the school he was at. So he walked out of it like not 20 seconds after he walked out of that door, we just eliminated him from our draft board. Right, right down in there, off, off the thing. So we don't want him, regardless of, of the talent, uh, because you didn't think you could trust him. Now, did he play in the league? Yes. How long? Maybe six years or something, but he never had, he might've had one good year 
His talent said he should have had a lot of good years, you know, but it, it's because of the issues within himself that he didn't. There's another guy from Eastern School, another guy that from a talent standpoint, we had a good grade on. This guy had an arrest at his school. And it was, you know, right now, 2024, probably wouldn't make a big deal, but back then it did. Okay. So it was, you know, better than 10 years ago. So more like 15 years ago. I don't remember the exact year, but you know, he the the arrest he had was drug related. Weed. Which why I said it wouldn't probably make a big deal right now, but it was a big deal back then. So we had the police report and some statements of people in the room. And so we asked him about it. And he was like, he he was reading a novel from a different library with the answers he gave us. So again, it's the same thing. We don't want him, can't trust him. You know, because you want the guy, and we tell him right off the bat, you come in, hey, look, we're gonna ask you some tough questions. We expect you to be honest. And in many cases, we already know the answer. So if you're gonna lie to us, forget about it. You're not gonna be a Chicago bear. Yet they still lie because they don't believe you. Or it's because they've gotten away with, you know, telling lies most of their life that they think they can still BS you. And we're not that stupid. So where'd you run off to? Oh, there you are. So then there's some good ones, funny ones. And, and we used to take every single one of these interviews. So you had 50 a year times all the year, plus every interview we did at the, at the, the All-Star Games. Mm-hmm. So it was the East-West and the Senior Bowl or whatever. And so we had like tons and tons of tons tape. Now then it wasn't digitized. It was on the uh, the beta tapes you know, or beta deck things. And yeah. so we had like four or five interviews per deck. And mm-hmm. so one guy, I got to sit back here a little bit to do this. We're talking to him. Now we're in Indianapolis. It's mid-February. The combine was about a week earlier then. It was cold that week. There was okay. probably three to four inches of snow on the ground. So the setting is there, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking to him. Now he, you know, he's got jeans on and a t-shirt. So you look at what they're wearing when they walk in the room. Do they want to make you know a good impression or they could care less? Sometimes that's indicative of how they were brought up or whatever, because you're, you're making little notes on everything. So anyway, he's, we're asking him some questions and all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> he just keeled over in the chair. And Jerry is like closest to him. Jerry jumps up. He's like, what the hell? He goes, you all right? You all right? He's like, you he goes, I think I just got bit by a motherfucking scorpion. That's hilarious. It is not not where he comes from. I don't want to say where he's from. Yeah. Which is somewhere in the south. Okay. But 
this is Indianapolis and it's, you know, 20 degrees and there's a lot of snow around. There ain't no scorpions there. <laughs> that is but hilarious. It was funny. We, the guy who was taping this, did the same guy from the video department did it every year. He wanted to make like a big blooper. Yeah, yeah, that would have been awesome. Because I mean, because we kept this stuff for years. Yeah, I mean, we, 2010. We still had the interviews from 2002. Oh and my gosh! We go that... back and look at some of these things. Hilarious. So there's another guy walks in the room. <laughs> nice guy. This is Lovey's first year, and he ends up. We don't draft him, but he goes. He ends up going pretty high, and he played. I looked it up last year to see. He played like eight, nine years. Okay. So he walks in the room, walks in the door. Now they let me go back a little bit because they've changed the format on the interview. On the interviews used to be up until a couple years ago that the the players stay <coughs> at the Crown Plaza Hotel, which was directly across the street from the old RCA dome. Mm -hmm. So they just literally had to walk out of the hotel, across the street, and into the dome. A little bit longer to get over to Lucas Oil Field. But not much. I mean, five minutes further walk. But there was a bunch of rooms on the first floor and an inside courtyard. Mm -hmm. So each room had two doors, a door leading into the courtyard and a door into the hallway. So all the players were in the courtyard. And you'd go from... You know, each team, all 32 teams had a room, and you had your, your dance card of when your interviews were with what team, etc. So you'd get that, you know, one was from 8 to 8, to 8 15, then you might, your next interview might be at 8 30 to 8 45. So you just go from, from room to room, mm -hmm. uh, wherever you had to think. So you enter through the courtyard door. So this guy comes in, and there was, there was Lovey, myself, Jerry, coordinator position coach on his side of the ball in the area scout. Mm -hmm. So the guy comes in, and I'll just say Joe Schmo for lack of a better way to say the thing. Went up to every single guy in the room. Hi, Joe Schmo, glad to meet you. Hi, Joe Schmo, glad to meet you. So he does this with like seven guys, right? Nice. Being very polite, and he's yeah. dressed nice. So he gets to Lovey last. And, but Lovey goes up to him. Lovey goes, hi, I'm Lovey Smith, and I'm glad to meet you. So the guy looks at Lovey, and he goes, Lovey Smith. Now, where have I heard that name before? <laughs> <laughs> Lovey just looks at him. Well, I'm from Texas. <laughs> There, I just he goes, I'm from Texas. And the guy goes, That's it, Texas. <laughs> that is beyond hilarious. Got a question here from Jeff. He's wondering if any in any of these interviews where people were not the uh, very impressive, he's he's asking, is it possible they sabotage themselves in essence to avoid being drafted by the Bears? I don't think so because you've got you know, like in the case of this guy who, you know, just I don't think was dressed appropriately. A lot of these guys have the combine sweats on that they're given. 
you know, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, so they're like dressed in the combine uniform, but this guy sure. jeans and a t-shirt. And, you know, which is fine, but you know, he might have had six or seven interviews scheduled that night. Wow. So I mean, it wasn't like he was gonna go back up into his room and change his clothes because he didn't want to play for us. Yeah. Um yeah. so no, I, I don't think that happens. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's uh I'll tell you one other story because we did not have at that time I think interviews ended at 1030. So this is 2005. Mm-hmm. And or was it 2006? 2006. Five or six, one or the other. So it's 1030. We're done with our interviews. Guy walks in the door. Kid walks in the door. He goes, I know you guys didn't have me on your interview list, but I want to come and talk to you anyway. So, now, by this time, Jerry and Lovey were already gone. They left with the right after the last interview. But there was me. There was Ron Turner. Um, There was a quarterback coach at that time. A couple scouts. This guy sat in the room. Talk to us for a good 40 minutes. <laughs> Sat in the couch, we had a couch chair, he had his arms out like this, mm-hmm. relaxed as hell. Wanna know who the player was? Um I, I have no idea. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Somebody guessed it too. J2K <laughs> Rogers interview. Well done, J2K. Um <laughs> uh, that that is interesting that he sought the interview. Why do you think he did that? I don't know. You know, that whole thing was really weird. Mm-hmm. The he went 24th. Yeah. Okay. And nobody could figure out why, because in the days leading up to the draft, it's like he could be number one. Mm-hmm. And San Francisco had number one. Mike Nolan was the uh, the head coach of San Francisco and had final say at that time. And he ended up taking Smith from Utah, mm. who had a pretty good career, but not an Aaron Rodgers career. Exactly. Um, but there was, you know, there was talk could be either or. Mm-hmm. Well, all of a sudden, there's no nobody takes a quarterback. The guy's there, mm-hmm. and it's seventh pick. He's still there. It's tenth pick. He's still there. It's fourteenth pick. He's still there. Green Bay and Ted Thompson was the GM. He finally says, "Well, I ain't passing." Yeah, it's too good. Know, and they had no plans on on taking a quarterback at that year, and you know they did. And the only reasonable reason we could come up with is that you know you go into the draft and you're prepared and and you're you know you're guessing, you're anticipating who's going to be available, That's and right. then you make up your mind on mm-hmm. certain players. Okay, if this guy's here, this is the guy I want. And if he's gone, this is number two. He's gone, this is number three. Well, you got past maybe three or four or something like that. Now it was like we were prepared for this. We didn't do all the homework on. Mm-hmm. And then it became, is there something wrong that we didn't know? Mm-hmm. Everybody else is passing too. Yeah. And that's the <laughs> only that's, that, it gets scary. Musical, yeah, it, it, the only thing we come up with because we reviewed it, and mm-hmm. and and I think a lot of teams, you know, talking to other teams, they said the same thing. 
everybody thought there was something hidden that they missed out. And that's why everybody was passing it. Badass Warthog wants to know, do you downgrade a player who in the interview can't articulate his thoughts properly? No. Because, you know, we're, we're talking... Give me one second here. Let the dog out the door here. He wants to Absolutely. And I'm actually uh, surprised that Greg said no because you know, and that's me. You know, I I like players, people that can articulate their thoughts really well. Communication is so important to me, and so uh, if I get a, if I'm interviewing a guy who can't articulate his thoughts, wow, that's got to be a uh, an ex a red flag for me. But okay, so. I, you don't art, uh, you, you don't no, downgrade well, a player, huh? First of all, it's like what position does he play? Okay. Okay. And <laughs> is and you've already got reports and you've talked to coaches. Mm-hmm. So you you've got a pretty good sense of because one when you're talking to coaches, you're trying to find out his ability to learn and retain, you know, how fast he picks up things. Uh, does he make mistakes, mental mistakes on the field? So you've got, you've got an idea right? about that, you know, before the guy ever walks in the room. And some guys, they're just, you know, they're nervous because it's a weird situation. It's a job interview. Mm-hmm. If the guy's a good player, but he can't articulate well, so what? Okay. You know, it's, can he learn football? Is he instinctive? Is he a good teammate? Is he a good person? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'll give you a perfect example. Frank Gore. Frank Gore could not articulate very well. And mm-hmm. when they had the Wonderlick test. Um, he had a terrible score, yeah. Terrible, terrible. Like, you know, single-digit score, but it's like, you know, something's wrong with this guy. No, it's not. Smart is attacked. I mean, he was a sharp guy. He had a reading problem okay. and he had a problem with articulating. Well, how the guy played a million years in the Darren Lee. And I'll tell you a story about Frank. You know, I went, I made a school call going into his last year. I was there during two days and I was with Joe Collins, who was with the Giants at the time. Joe's a longtime friend of mine. Uh, he was player personnel director for 40, the 49ers when Vinny Serrato and that crew was there for a while. And they'd be, um, or excuse me, when Vinny and those guys, he was with Vinny in San Francisco, and then he was player personnel director in, in Cleveland when that group took over the new Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we're there, and we're the only two guys there because it was during two days. And so we set up a meeting with the running back coach after we went up into his office and started talking to him. And he just went on and on about Frank Gore and, and what a person he was and how he worked at the game. He goes, I'll tell you a story when he was a freshman. He goes, because as you know, he goes, Frank doesn't speak real well. And when you meet him, you're going to think, well, he's not very smart, but he's going to, He's going to work at it. He goes, and he goes, this is the story I got to tell you. So he said, he gets a call. This is like freshman year. 
three or four days into camp, he gets a call from Frank at two in the morning. You know, everything all right, Frank? He goes, yeah. oh, I just wanted to tell you I got it. It took a while, but I got it. <laughs> what did he get? <laughs> no, he... he, he, he oh, the I understand. I understand. Okay. <laughs> that is wild. And as you said, I think he played 14 seasons in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I'm really uh, glad you answered that question because I would have immediately said, this is a red flag. I can't even, you know, communicate a simple sentence. But, uh, well, but just, you know, if, if it's a quarterback, I got concerns. Yeah. If it's a defensive lineman, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your point? You know what his job is? <laughs> Exactly. Don't even uh, communicate your sorry. Just go, go tackle. Uh, Zach asked the question a long time ago. He says, if the commanders trade aggressively, as been said, and we talked about that early part of the show, he wants to know that would that impact Justin Fields' trade value in any way, and vice versa. So an aggressive move by Washington to move up from two to one, you know, they sent a boatload of picks. Now all of a sudden, does do teams know, okay, they're, well, they got to trade Justin. Not, or, or, no, I bet if, they, if they were going to trade the pick, they wouldn't be trading Justin. That's, that's right. That's right, yes. So would that make any impact on potentially trading? Because uh, one of the scenarios I went through after reading Peter King's uh, story, if the Bears were to move down, is they could potentially draft Drake May as opposed to making that trade with the right. Atlanta Falcons, uh, which is why I started looking at some of his tape. Very impressive young man. So now, he, knows? he had a little fall-off, too, at the end of the season, but it was a different – you know, he had some missed throws, and then mm-hmm. he didn't have a team. North Carolina wasn't a really good team. He was the team. Mm-hmm. He had one receiver who actually missed the first part of the season because he was a transfer, and there was NCAA eligibility problems that the player had. His name was Walker. He, I think he missed the first three or four games, uh, mm-hmm. and nobody – Finally, the NCAA finally gave him eligibility. The guy just took off. He had a pretty strong second half of the season. But, you know, May and, and Pep is another guy who knows May because he was, when Pep was at Michigan, I think when May was a junior, he had already started the recruiting process. So he got mm-hmm. to know the kid well. And he said, really, really smart kid, um, great family. Very supported mom and dad. Um, so, I mean, he was all accolades about the guy as far as his person. Now, yeah. he, you know, he never saw him as a college player. I mean, I'm sure he'd take, but I mean, just in the recruiting process, when he's, you know, go down to meet the kid, met the family and all that, he was real, real impressed. Hmm. Peter A. has a question for you. He says, when can teams begin to set up those private 30 workouts? Does it have to be after their pro day? Could have it already happened? What's the window? Okay, Peter, you got two things mixed up here. You got 30 visits that you can bring in. Now, a player like JJ does not count in your 30 visits. Why? He's local. It's 30 people from outside. 
Gotcha. Okay. You could bring in a local guy 10 times if you want. You can work them out 10 times if you want. And, you know, like Northwestern is a local school. Northern Illinois is a local school. Uh, the league gave Notre Dame as Chicago's local school. Um, mm -hmm. Illinois is actually the Colts local school, not the Bears. <laughs> because wow. Illinois is, is really like two-hour drive. Proximity, from, yeah. From Indi Indianapolis. Uh but anyway, that year that Trubisky was drafted, Kaiser, the Notre Dame quarterback, mm -hmm. was brought in at least four times. Oh. Yeah, he was here for the the, lo the local workout mm -hmm. and then some private workouts. But so like a guy like JJ, you can bring in many times as you want because he's local. You just can't do it. After the the drafts on Thursday, the previous Wednesday is the last day you can bring a guy in, whether he's local or from out of town. You can go see him. Mm -hmm. He can't come see you. But the to get back to the the question, you can bring in 30 guys that aren't local for visits. Your private workouts. You can have as many as you want, but it's got it can be in one of two places: the kid's school or the kid's hometown. Mm -hmm. So let's say they wanted to do a, a private workout with Caleb. They can do it at USC, actually anywhere in LA. Doesn't have to be at, at USC. It has to, it could be anywhere in LA. Or they can do it in DC. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Cornelius wants to know, uh, will Drake May benefit from Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels not throwing at the combine? No, that's the, the, the teams could care less if a quarterback doesn't work out of the combine. In fact, and I think I might have said this, if I'm an agent, I'm telling my guy don't throw. Yeah, you mentioned that last week, yeah. You know, it, it's not conducive. It's the only position group that the combine can't help. And it's just the way it's set up because you, you know, you got maybe what, 22, 25 receivers. If there's two receiver groups and two quarterback groups and you got a bunch of receivers in there, well, you know, you have them, they run like seven different routes and then the, the gauntlet and some other stuff. You're throwing two or three throws. You go to the back of the line. You wait five, six minutes. You throw again, you don't have no, any idea who you're going to be throwing to. It's the next guy in line. And it's never the same guy because they reverse the order. Mm -hmm. So so that purposely happens. So you could throw a great throw, and the guy could have an awful route. Vice versa, the guy could have a great route, and you have an awful throw. But it just, there's no rhythm. Yeah. that the quarterback is able to get. Yeah, and that makes sense. Every agent, every agent knows this, and that's why they don't want to work out. Because the they, don't want him, they don't want a chance that he could leave a bad impression on somebody. Right. Through really no fault of his own. That's yeah. the combine's problem. And that's and why the pro days are so perfectly tightly scripted 
for the benefit of the quarterback. Well, um, right. And those are, in my opinion, they're as bad as the damn combine. Yeah. Because of that, you know, it's like if I'm a coach, uh, a quarterback coach, coordinator, personnel director, and I go to a quarterback pro day, all I can do is watch. Mm-hmm. I have no input on that workout at all. If I go to see a defensive end, I got input. Yeah. You know, I'd be, in fact, I'm doing some of the workout. I'm taking them through drills with the quarterback. It's his guru, mm-hmm. you know, who is setting up the, the script. It's a rehearsed script. You know, let make 55, 60 throws, depending on the player, all different types of throws. But there are always things that he can do well. Anything mm-hmm. that he can't do well is not in that script. Gotcha. Uh, and uh, just they're to... rehearsed, rehearsed, and rehearsed again. He probably rehearses that script four, four times minimum before his pro day. So yeah. now, you know, they're expected to do well. Go back to the year, I think, and I firmly believe this. Excuse me. When Justin was drafted. Mm-hmm. There was no private workouts allowed that year. There was no combine that year. Yeah. Because they brought guys in for medicals actually mm-hmm. late, and that was it. So you had the pro days, and that's all you could go to. Mm-hmm. Not a doubt in my mind that the mistakes of Trey Lance and Wilson were because of that. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, with a quarterback, you you got to have a private workout. Interesting. Interesting. That, that's my opinion. In fact, you know, polls alleviated to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if we could set them up. But they're, who's going to say no to the Bears? Nobody. That's their first pick. That's right. You know, that's going to be the first one they set up. When do you want to do it? But right. they won't do it. You know, like when I was talking to McCarthy's agent. Okay, his... I just don't remember the day, 20th, 21st, something like that. March is his, his pro day for Michigan. He won't do a private workout until after that. So he's got basically five more weeks to do a private workout. Four, four weeks, really. So to conclude with Peter's question, when does that one-on-one process of interviewing play, players at House Hall, when does that begin? After right, after right after the combine, whenever you can bring guys in, they're already teams are already scheduling guys. Gotcha, gotcha. And, and you schedule it through the agent. Mm-hmm. And there's often there's cases where you know they want to make the flight arrangements easy and the travel easy for the kid. Mm-hmm. So you might you know let's say Green Bay, Indy, and Chicago all want to bring a kid in on a 30 visit. Well, he may start off at Green Bay and Green Bay pays for that flight. Then we pay for the flight from Green Bay to Chicago. And maybe Indian and us split the the cost of Chicago to Indy and Indy pays for his flight back. (laughs) You know, so everybody shares. I mean, there's no unnecessary problems teams can work together with that yeah. and have, have done it for years and it's just to make the process a lot easier on the kit 
badass warthog has asked a couple of times about the NFL combine. Is it losing its importance? And I know well, that you've shared with me that they have considered changing some of the drills, uh, like the bench. Uh, yeah, lifting. there's people that want to do away with the bench. Yeah. Um, fans are under the impression that it's all about the workout, mm-hmm. which that is the, the least important part of the combine to the teams. Yes, you'd like – what's nice about the workout – is that let's say you know you're doing the wide receivers, you got one group all together they're doing the same workout on the same day on the same surface at the same place at the same time. You can truly compare apples to apples. Mm-hmm. Okay, but now you already got two of the top three receivers aren't going to work out in in neighbors and Harrison. That's not a big deal. So what? Right. The important part of the combine is getting the damn medical done. And that's the whole reason the thing started. You know, our first one was in, in January 85. Before that, there was three. There were three different smaller combines. There's National Scouting, Lasso, and Quadra. Quadra was Buffalo, Dallas, Seattle, San Francisco. Uh, and they had three different combines, so to speak. But it was more... Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they were held like three weeks in a row. And you couldn't get every kid to go to all three of them. You know, so you had like some would go to two and skip the third or whatever. And, and you know, so then they got this and that ended in 84. Finally, everybody got together. Wait a minute, let's, that's how they got the name Combine. Let's combine this thing. And, and everybody do it together. And Harry, I was working with national scouting in, uh, for the fall of 84. And then I went to the giants at the end of the fall, right in November. And mm-hmm. Harry Buffington ran national was the first guy to put together the combine. We had it. It was actually at Arizona state that first year mm-hmm. in January 85. And, and Harry's asked, why'd you pick Arizona state? He goes, well, you know, we went back and looked at weather records and stuff over 15 years and the chance of rain was supposed to be like 8%, something like that. It was cold and it rained two days. <laughs> so that did away with Arizona State when we were at the next year, <laughs> which was 86, mm-hmm. January 86, we were at the Superdome the week following the Bears went over the Patriots. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like a month after, like it got an hour three. It used to be literally the week right after the Super Bowl. Like the yeah. next year, I was with the Giants. We won the Super Bowl. I didn't go home from from LA. We our, our Super Bowl was in Pasadena. I went from Pasadena to, to and that was the first uh, of the Indianapolis Combines. I flew from Pasadena to Indy because the combine was was starting up like two days later. Yeah, Jeff is asking: could, Do we will we will we ever see a day where the event will be the workout portion will be eliminated and they would just focus on interviews and measure, measurements and medical? But Jeff, I don't think so because the NFL is working really hard to make it a TV event. I mean, they right. move some of it to prime time. They, this is TV dollars, so they they're going to figure the, the out a way. Fans want to see the workout. Yes, it's not yes. as important to to the clubs because the clubs know they're going to get. Yeah. A workout. 
they're going to get up the pro day. Now, here's the one thing, and this is my argument. When kids ask me for advice or ask us for advice, uh-huh. this is what we'd say. Look, you're foolish not to work at the combine. And a lot of times it's not the kid who doesn't work out. It's his agent. The mm-hmm. agent just, you know, he, he'd rather have the kid work out once or whatever. And, but we, and you'd never interview a kid after. A lot of times you get them two days before the workout or the day before the workout or whatever. So we'd ask, you know, right away, are you going to work out tomorrow? And the kid would tell us, of course. And when he said, no, no, I'm just going to wait for my pro day and say, well, let me throw this at you. If you work out here and you don't have a good workout, mm-hmm. your pro day in three weeks is another chance to work out and you got to make up. Tests. So, if, you know, you, you can knock it out of the park in, in, in three weeks at your pro day. Now, do it the way you want to do it. You skip tomorrow and you're going to work out in three weeks at your school. What if you have a bad day in three weeks? You don't get no makeup tests. And you've just hurt your you hurt yourself. Yep. Because now you're going to be labeled as slow or whatever. And I and I'll give you an example of a player who did not have a great combine and just got into the Hall of Fame. Devin mm-hmm. Hester. Devin ran in the high four fours at Indy. And Miami was one of the first pro days. It was like 10 days later. And, you know, he was on field turf at Indy. And then, and I don't remember if the Lucas Oil field was open when the, then or we were at the old RCA Dome. I don't remember the year Lucas Oil. But Devin didn't run to Devin standards. So... He worked out at Miami the following week, and it was a Saturday morning. It was gorgeous, probably 80 degrees, and he runs 4.35 on grass, which is, you know, slower surface than field turf, and, you know, just tears it up. And that's what you saw on tape. But, you know, he's he's the perfect example of I got a makeup test available if I don't do as I as good as I wanted to do. Makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, Levante just asked a good question, but Levante, I'm going to table that to next week because I know the answer and it's a bit complicated and I'd actually, uh, well, I'll prepare a graphic for your response. Here's a, a question from, uh, now you got me. my interest is peaked. It's about your grading system for players. And it's that three point, uh, grading system that you have a color and a number and so forth. Uh, you shared that last year, so we'll, uh, we'll we'll put together a graphic to help explain that. Um, Jahan Dotson is a player that uh, – who asked this question? Darn it, I lost it. But somebody asked a question about perhaps including Jahan Dotson, the commander's slot-wide receiver out of Penn State, as part of any potential deal with the Bears and Commanders, do you think that he would be a good player? He's under contract for a couple of years. He was a former first-round draft pick out of Penn State. What are your thoughts? You can ask for anything you want. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, last year, I'm of the belief that the Bears gave three names to Carolina. Mm-hmm. Burns, right? DJ and the defensive tackle, and I can't think of the defensive tackle's name. But one of those three players, and Carolina agreed on on more. Okay, 
And as Jeff says, you know, he'd rather have one of the interior linemen uh, that Washington has. Those two, 20, they got two twenty million dollar guys in that interior line. Um, by the way, if I'm Washington, if I'm Washington, I don't, I, I wouldn't do that because they, they let their two ends go. Yeah, exactly. At, at, the, at the trade deadline, and they're, they're, they're decided to keep, you know, the two interior guys. And mm-hmm. one guy's deal was done last year, and the other deal was done, I think, two years ago. The relatively new deals, and mm-hmm. by today's standards, they're they're pretty good deals. Because because if you recall, um, Allen was going to be a free agent. Didn't he get his deal done right before the start of free agency? Yes, yes. You know, and and um, but and that was in the area of twenty million a year. I mean, they they weren't cheap. Um, don't forget what people last year, the move was nine slots. Mm-hmm. Okay. If in fact there's truth to this, what Peter had and what some other people say, it's one slot. You're not getting what you get for nine slots. Mm-hmm. But in the case of the, the argument you can make, which can help, is, you know, you can use the generational player, even though I don't believe that, but you can use it. He's local to Washington. So he's going to put people in the seats. And that, you know, attendance-wise, that team has struggled the last few years. And they're trying to get a new stadium built. And you got a new owner who wants to make a splash. Yep. And on top of that, he's already, he's been an owner. He's an NBA owner too. And the NBA goes crazy when it comes to making draft. draft <laughs> that's, that's so true. <laughs> you know, so, and your president is an NBA, former NBA executive. So you got mm-hmm. really two NBA guys running the show there on top of the, the GM. And so I think it, it changes a lot of the, scenario a little bit because they might they might carry that NBA thought over to the NFL as far as trying to get a deal done. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Uh Tim, you wanted me to ask the question that you asked earlier. I lost it. So uh and we only got a couple of minutes left. So I am going to ask this one from Dennis. What does Greg think of Jared Verst? To me, to me mean Dennis, he looks like a clone of Khalil Mack. He should be there at number nine. Your thoughts? Uh, no, I don't think he's a Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack went at four, four or five. From, from Buffalo, but, right? Uh, yep. And versus taller, um, versus bigger, I don't think, you know, versus probably going to come in at around 265 to 270, I would think. Probably have his weight down a little bit so he can work out good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I, I, I like verse, but to me, verse is very similar to sweat. Big okay. body. You know, he's a, he's a bigger guy. He doesn't have that explosive movement that like a Khalil has. I think there's other guys in this draft that are more like that, but that, you know, it becomes flavor. And 
you know, if, if, if they don't sign a guy, and by the way, a good name that I keep hearing, unless he gets re-signed, and I can't think of his, his last name, the defensive end from the Texans, who had 12 and a half oh. sacks last year. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, te- Texans. I'll look him up. He's, he's like 27, 27 or 28 years old. He'll be 27 what? or 28 when the season starts. Well, uh, it's not Will Anderson. He was drafted no, last no. year. Yeah. He's the, the opposite side. Is it Grenard? Yeah. I think it I is Grenard. It, it, it's – I can't remember the number. I looked at the tape. I really like the tape. Guy, He's not big. He's only like 255, 258, but he's strong. You know, he can set the edge. But he had four and a half sacks last year. That was his big year. And um, – Dallas Turner. No, Dallas Turner with Alabama right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me see. Dallas Turner is a very – you know, I can go into it, but it'll take me too long. Jonathan uh, Grenard. Yes. Jonathan Grenard. Yeah. And good freaking football player. Yeah. Very good football player. He's got a lot of money. So – you know, if they want to bring him back, they can bring him back. But, you know, using Spot Track, I think Spot Track said 12 and a half, 13, something like that. And I'm, yeah. I'm going off the top of my head, which is a, you know, a reasonable number as compared to might cost me 23 for a 30 year old hunter. Mm-hmm. You know, and you got to look at, the big picture. Okay, what am I trying to accomplish? Right. I got it. I'm, I'm hoping to get this, 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 and this in free agency, and this, mm-hmm. this, this, and this in, in the draft. So, so you look at packages, and what's the best package for the team? Don't think about just an individual player. Think about the total package. Yeah. You know, one of the things that struck me when this they released the numbers for the salary cap is that, you know, a lot of fans are going to say, oh, well, now we can afford that $25 million pass rusher, whatever position. But the, but the problem is, is that everybody's salary goes up proportionately, doesn't it? I mean, you know, now, in fact, there's word now that the running backs are not going to have uh, – uh, franchise tag numbers because it's been unfair to them. Their salaries are going to go up. Well, uh, offensive linemen's salaries. That remains to be seen. Because okay. with running backs and only because not a lot of guys make it to a second contract and the guys that do more often than not fall off a cliff. Mm-hmm. So you got wasted money on the back end of the contract. So teams are going to fight that until extended playtime proves different. Mm-hmm. But the beating they take, how are they going to prove it different? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hear you. Uh, Sports Chicago style wants to know, did you see the videotape of Cam Newton in that fight at that football camp? Well, I saw maybe 20 seconds unless there were more in that. Well, that's about that's about it. There were some other angles, but it's basically the same stuff over and yeah, over. Um, different angle. Who is dumb enough to want to fuck with him? <laughs> I mean, have you ever seen the guy in person? 
<laughs> yes. He's yeah. like a monster. Yeah. He and he was tiring. His hands yeah. were about this big. Yeah. He was throwing some guys around like they were ragged. <laughs> he, was. he was. He really was. Um, here's the thing, though. Um, and I'm not blaming anyone. I don't know what started it. There were some I don't know what happened. So I, yeah, I just I don't saw know the what video. Happened. But I do know that I have seen Cam in other situations at football camps and so forth, and he likes to shoot the shit with people. And I, I think it probably just got out of hand. And my, my concern is you got to be careful when you're shooting the shit with somebody. It's like being at a bar. All of a sudden, hey, I make a joke about what you're wearing, and all of a sudden, you get punched in the face. Hey, <laughs> what are you, yeah, Luffy or Taylor? You know, the guy you're punching in the face is 6'5", 265. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so what's going on with the brain matter of the guy who throws the punch? <laughs> in other words, you better knock his ass out, because otherwise, I'm going to be on the wrong end of this. <laughs> Uh, you know, Zach makes a good point getting back to the contract thing. He says perhaps rookie contracts should be performance-based. What do you think about that? Well, I, I don't – in a way it is because now you get if, – if when you get into the final – all rookie contracts, rookie draft choices, not undrafted free agents. Mm-hmm. All rookie draft choice contracts are four-year contracts. And they've got that performance pool that they get both at the end of the year and then based on playtime that they've had, their salary goes up commensurate. Larry Borum isn't getting – did you ever see what Larry Borum's cap number is this year? No. It's like three and a half or $3.8 million because he's played a lot. Yeah, okay. That's Okay, fair. so it's – your first couple of years is what it is. It's It's – you're getting pretty much the – the rookie minimum plus the amortized portion of your bonus. You know, you're getting the bonus all at once, but it's for cap dollars. It's spread out over the length of the contract. But if you're a player, you're getting more money. You know, you're so in a way it is. In fact, it is. It's exactly what it is. it's performance based. If, if you're outperform where you got drafted, um, that that's one of the reasons. Justin's fifth-year option because it's based on, you know, amount of play time they have and performance. You know, the difference between him playing and not playing was like ten million dollars or more to pick up that that fifth-year option. Yeah. <clears throat> Raymond asks a question, which has really been my argument about uh, against trading Justin Fields. He says, "Hey, Greg, does it would it be premature? Wouldn't it be?" premature to trade Justin Fields in year three of this rebuild, given the fact that the Bears are just now establishing a foundation for player development. I, I agree with that. I totally agree with you, Raymond. You know, you know I, I just think you're you're setting yourself up. Again, mm-hmm. this is how I think. Yeah. The team, the second half of last year, took like three steps forward. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they played a lot better. Their record was a lot better. Would they go five and two in the last seven games? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, going in the right direction. You put a rookie in there, and I don't want to hear what Stroud did. That's a once-in-15-year deal. That's fact. So you're backing up. All right. 
and that's... hoping mm-hmm. that that guy becomes because yeah. we all know that there's there's first you know first overall pick or first quarterback pick a lot of them bust mm-hmm. yeah uh, there was a question by Ravi regarding Dallas Turner and about him potentially bulking up. Ravi's question about the Bears potentially wanting that Dallas Turner to bulk up if they draft them. What do you think about that? Dallas Turner is known as a speed edge rusher. I think he's about 240 pounds or so. No, he really played at 252, according to a guy made school calls. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. And that's so, program weight. That's why you don't look at program weights. Yeah. It's a, it's a joke. It's a joke. So, so he, do you think the Bears uh, would want him to beef up? No, I mean, that's what Khalil Mack was when he first came out. Okay. But Khalil Mack was – well, Khalil Mack ran in the four fives. Mm-hmm. And then he ran at Buffalo's Pro Day also and also ran – in the four or fives. It wasn't like, I mean, that's real fast for a defensive end, but, <laughs> really. you know, it, it, there's guys that run faster. Um, Anderson last year ran in the four sixes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Turner and Anderson are going to be about the same size. I don't remember exactly what Anderson weighed last year. I'd have to look it up. <clears throat> but I think Turner's faster. Okay, so Anderson let me ask- was a better player. Anderson was a better player in college. Yeah, but he's the uh, second pick in the draft too. I don't think anyone will argue with that. Uh, so let's say you're picking ninth or, or anywhere between nine and fifteen, and both Dallas Turner, which is unlikely, and Latu are there, uh, and you guys have them graded similarly, and you want that pass rusher. Who would you favor, Dallas Turner or Lay to Latu? Did Latu pass the physical? Yes, he's passed the physical in this hypothetical. <laughs> so that's your answer, okay? Latu. <laughs> Eric wants to know your thoughts about Darius Robinson, the rusher Whoa. from Missouri. Yeah, oh, not, no, I was thinking of Chop Robinson. Darius, I haven't done as much. Darius is another big edge. He yeah, may end up being guy. a three. You know, very explosive. He's like 285 to 90. So mm-hmm. he's a big guy. Um, good football player. Um, he's he's going to be a first-round pick. Is he what the Bears want, though? You know, when you look at, at what they're trying to get, yeah. I don't see it. You know, a lot of this stuff is really too early for us to talk about because – you know, like in free age, two weeks from today, we're, we're even though free agency doesn't open until is it two weeks from t- today or three weeks? Uh, three weeks, weeks I want to say. No, two weeks. March 11th is the day you can serve. Oh, yes, yes, no, negotiations, right? But you, you can agree to a deal on the 11th, mm-hmm. you just can't sign the guy until the 13th, right? So, theoretically. Two weeks from today, we're going to know who maybe three new guys are. Okay, now yeah. we maybe more than that, maybe four. Yeah. Now it becomes a lot easier to say, okay, this is how we can see the draft playing out. They've taken care of this. So let's let's say they they sign an edge, they sign or they sign. Um, the guy from 
Houston or whatever. And that takes that edge player out of that number nine equation, in my opinion. Okay. Kay says uh, Robinson has that versatility that Flus loves and adds that he's got 35-inch arms, although we'll know that for sure in the next uh, couple of days. Um, one last question for you before we get out of here as we approach the two-hour mark. How do you feeling? How are you feeling, by the way? Two hours. Look at you. You can go another two hours, I bet. I, 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 you know, I'm just coughing a little bit, but that's okay. You sound great. My, my only – I got – no, I did all my reports I had to do today. I got my honeydew list. I got to go to the grocery mm -hmm. store. <laughs> Got to run those errands for the wife. Absolutely. Hey, that's right. All right. So last year, the Bears traded the number one overall pick on March 10th, about, I think it was four days after the combine ended last year. Maybe maybe a little more. No, it was a little more now because the combine was actually a couple of days. No, it was a couple of days later because free agency was on the 15th last year. Okay. Part of that being that. You know, we got leap years this year, so we got an extra day in, in February. Right. So, so yeah, you're, you're about right. Safe to say that around the 10th or so, we are going to see a trade either of the number one draft pick or of Justin Fields. Maybe. And only because it, it, that's if free agency comes into play as, as part of the equation. Mm-hmm. If free agency does not come into play, and we're strictly talking draft picks, and then you know teams are going to want to get all their information in, you might be waiting, you know, till the first week in April or, or longer because you want to get those workouts in. Mm -hmm. That's when a lot of these love affairs, when coaches start falling in love with players, like oh, I have this guy. That's happening. <laughs> that's the month of March. Yeah. And okay. so, you know, it, it's that's why I said when I was having this conversation with this guy, when he said he thinks it could happen before the end of the combine, I'm going, I, I mean, I thought last year was an aberration <clears throat> when it was that early, but there was a reason for it, and the reason was free agency. Yeah. All right. Tooch just joined us right as we're closing the show, and he's got a question, so we got to – put this in. Tuch will be with us tonight at 8 o'clock uh, on the Bear Their Souls show. He says, let's say Justin shows very modest and proven, but there are still things to improve upon. Maybe some of the same concerns are still there. What sort of contract should Fields expect if they don't pick up that fifth-year option in March? I think you go back to what we talked about earlier, try to do something like Green Bay did with love. Mm-hmm. And you'd have the leverage to do that. Remember how we were talking about that earlier? Yes. Almost indeed. a couple hours ago. And that <laughs> That's right. first thing that when I when I heard Paul say that, I'm going, he's playing a leverage game here. Part of this is is being said purposely. Yeah. Yeah. And that again, none of us know what's gonna happen. But if in fact, in fact, to be fair, they probably don't know what exactly is gonna happen yet. They haven't right. made a final decision yet. Mm -hmm. um, but you still got to play the game mm -hmm. and you got to play the game correctly. And <clears throat> it was on full display today at the combine. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Greg, 
fantastic show. Uh, and I want a, a special thanks out to everyone in the chat. Uh, great questions. You make this show even more enjoyable for me and for Greg. Uh, this show will be available immediately on demand here on YouTube and will be up on your audio podcast in about uh, 15 minutes. Greg, uh, Peter King is coming in a couple of weeks. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah has made a commitment. Dane Brugler has made a commitment. We've got commitments from a couple of other major JJ people. McCarthy has made a commitment. Greg, Greg has uh, told me, you know, I'm doing your fucking job, Aldo. <laughs> I'm booking all these guests. And I'm like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> you got the Rolodex. Next, next your three cents of the paycheck. There, there you go. <laughs> There'll be a bonus in this month's paycheck. Another dollar. Uh, nickel? <laughs> thank you, Zach. And thank you, everyone else. Uh, we will see you all next week. We'll let you know what time, what day next week. Uh, uh, best way to stay on top is next next week's Friday. Monday. Monday we will be yeah. on Monday. Next week's Monday because Tuesdays, every other Tuesday is the crazy day. Exactly. And, um, so and we will review the combine, combine numbers. Absolutely. Uh, you know, at least on guys that kind of jumped out, and mm -hmm. especially jumped out at neat positions. Great. All right, and uh, more football talk tonight, 8 p.m. Bear Their Souls uh, with the Tooch and Dan Aguirre and myself. Goodbye, everybody. See you later. Thank you all. <laughs>